And with Goodfellas, it was, I don't I have nowhere to go with that point. I was literally just <laughs> talking and letting words come out of my mouth. <laughs> I kind of wish I kept going to see what was going to happen, oh but I had to jump ship. <laughs> abort, abort. <laughs> just, uh, I don't know, say something about Ray Liotta. <laughs> <laughs> your number one movie podcast if you haven't yet please like follow and subscribe everywhere at couch lock pod because we are about to lock it in now it's a tale as old as crime mobsters have been taking over the big screen since movies could actually be shown and it's no surprise that these films still seem to capture the attention of viewers even today in today's episode mike and i are going to break down the top mobster films and really why they've impacted our hearts for literally a hundred years so to get things started here mike what is it about mob films that really just seems to be the the one to suck a punch, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think there, it really, when I was thinking about this, it came down to one word for me, and that word is uh-huh. contrast. These films oh. live in contrast of each other. There's bl- brotherly love turned violent. Love turns to, into abuse. Having no power turns into having all the power. Either way, you're still unhappy. The rich and the poor. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, it, there's contrast just smeared all over these films and it makes it so interesting to see all of these characters interact with each other and go through these stories that often last over years rather than stories that last, last over a couple of weeks or a couple of days. The yeah. story being told is a lifetime of relationships and friendships, uh, totally. building up and then crumbling back down. Yeah, it's kind of like a running theme throughout a lot of these different tellings of different mobsters. It's like the the peaks and valleys of life right. in the extreme view. And uh, you're right, it, it does sometimes take decades to tell these stories. Uh, and, and in the end, it's like this really like fine interweaving of lots of different characters that really make these intricate stories fun to watch even if in the end it's kind of the same story being told over and over again right (laughs) (laughs) totally i mean it definitely could be for sure um i always really appreciate in these films like the the gritty like drama of it all like uh for example the sopranos uh not to like (laughs) drop a bomb right off the bat here (laughs) like the sopranos do such a fantastic job of telling these stories like once again we were saying over a super big like a super big scope of time Mm -hmm. uh and you really start to fall in love with all of them and feel for them and you root for them and then you you're angry with them at other times um yeah the sopranos i think is is probably the best at that because these other movies are just a few hours long, whereas The Sopranos yeah. lasted for six seasons. Yeah, you spend so long with Tony and the gang and the family, and you see and you start to love all of them, but then you see them do these horrific things that <laughs> is unforgivable, and you're still forced to sit there with them in their darkest moments and try to get along oh with them. Gosh. And tr- you're still you're still supposed to love them, but it's so hard to mm-hmm. because they're murdering people with their bare hands or killing their best friend. It's crazy. Yeah, exactly. And like um like Carmela and Tony 
have like this very interesting relationship where Tony is like in his eyes trying to be like this breadwinner for his family like he's a like great husband because he provides so much for them but in the eyes of Carmela he's a horrible husband because he's not there emotionally for her he's not there physically for her most of the right. time like he feels he is and and on top of all of that, he's a horrible womanizer. You know, he's out there <laughs> yeah. sleeping with women if they have legs or not. And they're <laughs> he doesn't care. He doesn't care about the emotion, the emotional impact this has on Carmela, even though he still views himself as like this fantastic husband, right? Yeah, totally. The the family dynamic of the mobsters is always re really interesting because when you get uh, to, when you get to the point of being a made man, which means you are officially part of the mafia family, whichever one it is, you take mm -hmm. a blood oath that you take the, your mafia family over your real family. And that makes it so often these guys are distant from their wives, distant from their kids. It's more of an afterthought. The mafia right. life, the cr life of crime is the main focus for them. Mm -hmm. Well, and also like a lot of these stories will, will sh depict like family members um, in real life also being in the same mafia with each other mm -hmm. and how that impacts their relationship as well. Like uh, Michael Imperioli's character, uh, Christopher, is oh, yeah. the nephew of Tony. And there's plenty of times where Tony kind of lets him off the hook, more or less, because right. he's his nephew. But also, in the end, when it comes down to it, Christopher dies in Tony's hands because... He realizes that Christopher is a a um what's the word? He realizes Christopher is a burden to the business. It, it, oh yeah. Part of part of killing him is that he realizes he's always gonna be a druggie and he's never gonna get over that and he's always gonna be a burden to him. Well, and that's the interesting thing as far as Christopher's character goes, because he tries to be sober and he doesn't get any support from who is supposed to be his family but they right. don't support him and him getting sober they tell him they tell him to drink and take a load off and stop being so uptight about everything right. so he tries and almost because of tony uh he fails and then because of that tony kills him it's insane it's just the Having that that family dynamic within this mobster setting it really makes it dr like super dramatic, and the storytelling within it can be really fantastic. Um, do you think had the show continued, do you think uh, Tony Soprano's son would have followed in his footsteps? I think he would. Towards the end of the of the series, he was kind of falling into those traps of uh loaning money or beating people up for money or like holding mm -hmm. parties and uh, making people pay them and just kind of starting to live that lifestyle um but it, throughout it's also kind of an interesting mirror to uh Michael Corleone uh in The Godfather 2 and like what you were talking about the rise mm. and fall of his of him in as far as uh his place in the family uh what's what's this, what's Tony's kids' name I'm fucking blanking it for some reason. Oh, golly, it is... AJ. It's not AJ Summer, Soprano. it's AJ. <laughs> yes. um, AJ Soprano was always the opposite of that, and he even says to Tony at one point that he talks about how he loves the Godfather so much because the son is the 
uh, he, his favorite part is the sun rising up to power. And AJ mm. always wanted to be that for Tony, but he doesn't think he could. But he also started to kind of do some sort of things like that. So I, I really don't know how that would have turned out. Yeah, because, you know, I think that was part of Tony's uh, anxiety issues uh, throughout the series. We watch him mm-hmm. suffer from like this deep anxiety that he's going to a therapist about uh, taking medication for. And I think part of it is a fear that AJ is going to follow him into this life. And it, was it a mistake for him to be in this life? Does right. he want to be doing these things? Uh, and if he thinks about it too much, he has like, crazy panic attacks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, absolutely. So I think he too recognizes like, okay, maybe this this does exist within AJ too. This is just a continuation. Like this will always just be trickling down the family it's, line. It's cyclical. Yeah, exactly. Um, which is interesting how they leave that series in that final scene, right? Uh, which is just in that diner. The family gathers for a dinner. There's a number of suspicious people, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Looking menacingly over at Tony. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then the famous cut to black is always just seared into the minds of everyone who watched that show. Right. I think another thing that makes uh, this genre so insanely uh, entertaining is the side characters. Because, I mean, it's Sopranos, but uh, Scorsese is a master at this. You get background on all of the side characters. You know where they're going, what they're doing, why they're doing it. Mm -hmm. You know their family situation. You know their friend situation. You know what their temper level is at. You just get, you get a 360 degree view of every character on screen. Right. So you know them more. And when the inevitable uh, clash between these characters happens, there's so much more weight Mm -hmm. to it. And it's interesting because sometimes directors try to do that and they fail miserably and the results are just like this uh, hard to decipher Mm -hmm. kind of slop, right? But Scorsese time and time again delivers these films where the side characters are just as developed as any of the main characters and it's all for purpose, Um, mobster films have always been like this sort of this sort of telling of like an underdog right like um the anti-hero in a lot of cases uh i think scorsese is kind of the master of writing that character in a way that makes you like love them you know what i mean 100 you just recently watched the departed right i did for the first time Yes, dude. Okay, what did you think about this film? Because it it kind of hits on a lot of the points we're talking about as far as a absolutely. Scorsese movie. Um, yeah, absolutely. It was it was definitely. I wasn't sure what to expect, and I I just walked away needing more. I wanted to spend more time in it, and I mm. need to watch it again because the plot is so interweaving and crazy. There was points where I was like, I don't know what's going on right oh, now, and it wow. was intentional intentional decision to leave me in the dark but now that i know what happens i want to watch it again uh the mm-hmm. amazing performances the the that's another thing with all mob movies is that the performances are always amazing they always get the best actors and it often leads to a uh award for them uh but what made me think of that was um Jack Nicholson in that movie is just insane oh, yes. to watch and and a perfect example of how you 
really kind of like start to feel empathy for a really bad dude at the end of the totally. day you know like, like yeah, speaking um, of contrast frank is not good you know <laughs> yeah totally yeah the, the contrast of that movie is there is good and evil and they're wearing each other's masks almost it's it's, yes. it's so interesting yeah this concept of good and evil and holding a mirror up to yourself and what totally. side are you actually on uh matt damon's character colin sullivan is uh like fantastic in this movie i think the there's so many little nuances to his character that you don't catch in that first viewing mm-hmm. that when you go back and you understand his positioning it is like oh wow the that was actually played off very, very well. <laughs> yeah, it's the thing with Scorsese is that there's so much detail to his movies, but they have to be very nuanced, and you can't draw you can't draw attention to the details because then it doesn't it feels like it doesn't exist. It feels like it's right. intentionally placed, but it's also not the sp- the details aren't in the spotlight, and that's what sort of right. makes it feel lived, and that's why we know the characters so well because of the details. Right. Well, and like you were kind of explaining, like these actors' performances and their ability to sell those details mm-hmm. to you is like key in these instances. Um, I think that's why, like, heist movies, like the ocean movies, oh, can yeah. feel kind of like corny at times. Like, they almost feel like they fit into this, like, m- mobster crime kind of genre but the acting in them isn't supportive enough to to sell the dramatic parts you know yeah, what i mean and I totally so get that. and so they kind of separate themselves there um whereas like you have heavy hitters like robert de niro joe pesci like the you know mm-hmm. the ogs al pacinos uh that these guys just deliver this performance like solidly time and time again yeah and i think another thing that really makes the these films so fun and like the drama in these films so excellent is how everything is very ceremonial when you have to have a sit down with the boss and you have these amazing actors working together Mm -hmm. and there's so much tension in the story and they really start to play off of each other it's just it's so and you know they're safe but it's purely emotional driven and dialogue driven so they just get a chance to flex their acting muscles it's excellent oh yeah especially when they're not afraid to just kill someone off you know what I mean? yeah totally <laughs> when and nobody's yeah, safe <laughs> that's the thing nobody's safe death is uh death is their death is their leverage that's how they keep people in line and they throw it around like nothing oh yeah a good a good territory mobster and <laughs> duke them out duke them a duke em. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of duke them out Friggin' uh, Gangs of New York. That was one of my favorites. I don't know. Do you do you feel like that's a, a mob film? I, I guess, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say that it's not. It definitely has the makings of a mob film, including the crazy interweaving plot. Um, I need to rewatch that one. There, that's a, that's a long-ass movie, so I definitely need to oh, rewatch yeah. that. It's another one, too, that is like has a lot of rewatchable moments just because of the whole, like, the main character is coming back as an a, an adult version of himself and mm. nobody really knows who he is but then there's like a bunch of things so <laughs> definitely worth rewatching but uh i kind of put it into this category just because of daniel day lewis's uh performance oh, yeah. as bill the butcher my god uh, oh my god to love somebody and to be deathly afraid of somebody all at <laughs> once he did such a good job in that performance and even in like 
even in like the the physic the very physical like combat scenes, he's he's selling those moments in the very delicate like the scene where um Bill Bill is talking to Amsterdam in, in the bedroom and they're just mm. having like this very delicate conversation and Bill kind of opens up to him a little bit. Like he's selling those super dramatic monologues too. Yeah, uh, for sure. So even though it's not like the hey Italian <laughs> like like even though it's not like that typical you know italian irish mobster or whatever story it still has like that same kind of like thematic value mm-hmm. uh, yeah definitely a top top contender for me 100 percent, and it also kind of going off of what you're saying about uh infiltrating a group and yet a lot of these mob films deal with rats and the rats are the main characters friends and they have lifetime like we were saying they have lifetime of stories and experiences together and then what really comes to mind is a pussy from the sopranos i was gonna say do you have a favorite rat rat? yeah i mean that's gotta be it it's gotta be pussy right it's gotta be big pussy yeah for sure because you see how it affects tony and tony doesn't want want to kill him but he needs to just for so many reasons but yeah that one was definitely the hardest we watch it's like it's like watching a a car crash in slow motion because we we we're watching pussy just like divulge this information and it is actively ratting out the the gang yeah for like what like two seasons pretty much right yeah yeah so it's like slow coming when it Mm -hmm. finally happens it's just like oh my gosh dude like (laughs) (laughs) why did you do this we know about his family at that point like yeah like you said tony this is tony's best friend they came up in the gang together like well he was no pussy was was already in the gang when tony was a young guy right yeah i think so yeah so it's like gosh yeah, it's just so it's much, just it, hard. It's hard. There's so much history there, and there's mm-hmm. it's there's there's the relationship. You could feel it through the screen almost. It's it's insane to see oh, yeah. friends turn on each other like that. Kind of like in Casino. Casino comes to mind with the sort oh. of friends turning against each other because they end in trying to kill one another. Um, and the contrast of friendship to going to wanting to kill each other. You know, um, it's it's always there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think. I think these stories are often cautionary tales of what your lust for money and power will get you ultimately. Uh, no, actually, uh, Nicholas Pel, <laughs> Nicholas Pel, <laughs> <laughs> Martin Scorsese worked with a guy named Nicholas Pelleggi on the script for this film, and he is very involved in uh, everything that happened here. Uh, in I fucking you know what never mind you know what fucking never mind I can't get this out scrap I'm just gonna cut it anyways <laughs> I think that should be our clip <laughs> uh, it's a top contender at this point <laughs> um. um yeah no fucking casino's a great movie I love all of Robert De Niro's outfits in that film. He wears a bunch of them. Bunch yeah, of he colors. had some. He had like a record-breaking amount of suits that he wore, and I'm sure yeah. all of them were top-dollar, crazy expensive suits. But the best one is the salmon suit that he gets blown up in at the oh, at the start. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> at the fart of the film. <laughs> <laughs> 
Right from the very fart. Right from the very first fart. (laughs) Yeah. I just like that color. It like contrasted well because it's a very happy color. And then all of a sudden it's like explosion. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Uh, The very obvious dummy like kind of like doubles across. (laughs) Um, Another thing these films depict so honestly is abuse. Uh because the mobsters oh. are often abusive to their kids and their wives. Oh. Um, and they can never really be happy with what they have. They always want mm-hmm. more. Oftentimes when these films start, they have a wife uh, that they already show signs of abuse to. Um, True. But then they meet the beautiful new girl and it's all happy. And you almost forget that that little demon lives inside of them. And then right? the story goes on and they become incomplacent again. Or they, uh, yeah, incomplacent again, and they start to show those signs of abuse again, and then they go cheat on her again with another woman. Like it's mm-hmm. it's a it's a vicious cycle. Yeah, what do they what do they call them in in the Sopranos? Guma. The guma. Gumas. You already have a guma. Or a goomba. Yeah, a goomba. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it it is kind of like one of the. It's usually the first for me. It's like that's the first thing that they they do that I'm like, oh, you're a you're a bad person. Yeah. A lot of the times before that, it's like them like stealing vans of like computers or some shit, and I'm like, okay, like, well that might just be business of cigarettes <laughs> or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But then they go home and they're just like horribly abusive to their wife. I'm like, oh, right. Okay, yeah, actually, you're a bad guy, huh? You're not so good. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> there it is. That's the that's the one I know. But it's kind of important to remember because at the beginning of all of this, when mobsters were first being depicted in film, they were be- being depicted as the heroes. It was cool to be a mobster, yeah. right? Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, yeah that's, it, and that sort of came from. Um, hold on, let me let me let me uh, let me. Uh, and that sort of came from like the uh, social and economic instability by the great depression. And it sort of cemented the organized crime subculture to be like, like a hero, like you're making your own path. Right. Right. And turns out that's not what it's like. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Turns out that's not true. Spoiler. (laughs) Uh, So it makes sense that uh, like when the Hays codes came around, part of that was like, let's clean up how we're, portraying some of these people in film like we can't actively be searching for al pacino while you're making a movie about him <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah it's really setting like a bad tone here for our yeah, investigation there was some weird stuff with the Hayes code too because it was writ- written part of it was written by a jesuit priest i remember reading and they oh, put in a bunch of like catholic and christian undertones about like same-sex marriage and oh uh, damn alcohol drug use and sort of just censorship in general was kind of heavy right in, in right that. Maybe perhaps a, a bit too far. Well, nowadays yeah. we've got our standard movie rating system, which yeah. kind of lays things out a little bit more clearly. Yeah, it sort of came from this Hayes Code right. ordeal. Right, right. But the, at, at the end of the day, we really couldn't be making like mobster films and having them be the hero. So then we kind of had like this dramatic shift in tone where they right. became these more gritty tellings of like a cautionary tale of don't follow this life because yeah, you're going to totally. end up dead or in jail. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Those are the, those are the two options. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I always thought that was kind of interesting. Um, uh, 
especially like the godfather when you really look at it it definitely has like a lot of violence in it for sure for sure but it's not like a lot of it is like suggestive or it's not anywhere as gruesome as what like mob movies are showing nowadays yeah yeah Um, that's very true but a lot of it really depended on like dramatic monologuing and like back and forth in offices and (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah a lot of uh administrative almost kind of dialogue yeah so it's 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 just very interesting because this is obviously one of the like top rated movies of all time (laughs) anywhere you look it's so interesting because if you google uh greatest films of all time a lot of them are mob films. You see The Godfather, hmm. obviously. You see Goodfellas. Sure. You see Pulp Fiction, The Irishman, Reservoir Dogs. And, like, that's just, it's just such a great canvas to paint an amazing story on that people just love. Dang, you just, like, listed off a bunch of heavy hitters. Too. I really did, like, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, um, Goodfellas. I feel like that's like the majority. If you ask somebody like, what's your favorite mob movie? I feel like mm. majority of people say Goodfellas. Uh, and for good reason. That sh- that movie has like a bunch of crazy cool things. And a lot of like um, like the Copacabana shot, how it's all like one continuous yeah. shot like that. Like that was like revolutionary. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. A lot of these movies really start their own sort of revolution in a way. And with Goodfellas, it was, I don't I have nowhere to go with that point. I was literally just <laughs> talking and letting words come out of my mouth. <laughs> I kind of wish I kept going to see what was going to happen, oh but my God. I had to jump ship. <laughs> abort, abort. <laughs> just, uh, I don't know, say something about Ray Liotta. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Um, yeah, Goodfellas is the goat. <laughs> Everyone loves Goodfellas, and it's it's so fun to watch his uh, rise and fall. Like, and the difference in filmmaking oh. styles when in the beginning they have that long, mm-hmm. very long one take, um, and things are a bit calm, and then towards the end when you're with uh, Ray Liotta's character as he's drugged out, and the shots are a lot quicker, oh, and yeah. time moves a lot faster. Uh, you're really in his head as far as that movie goes. It's awesome oh, to watch. Man. And you were like up on the edge of your seat trying to figure out what's going to happen in the yeah. end of this movie. I-, I was not expecting him to rat, honestly. I was- <laughs> yeah, I could, I could sense it coming, but I was like, no. <laughs> yeah, no he was, he was pretty much either like either. I rat or I die. Like that's that's the Pretty only much. thing I can do here. <laughs> Pretty much, it came down to it. Hey, yeah. but you know, sometimes that's how it goes. Ray Liotta. Um, I, have you seen? Uh, what, he was in Cocaine Bear. Post- oh yeah. What is it called? Posthumous. Po- oh yes, Post- I have not seen either of those. I heard Cocaine Bear was good. Co- cocaine Bear. I haven't seen Cocaine Bear yet either, but I really want to. I think we should review it together. <laughs> yeah, I'd be I'd be down with that. That'd be fun. <laughs> That'd be fun, right? And Ray Liotta, though, man, that's a bummer. I wish he could have been in just like at least one more film with uh, Joe Pesci and Robert De Niro. Yeah, one hundred percent. Wouldn't yeah, that have they, been uh, just epic? 
the uh yeah the triple threat there for sure and i would also i would also consider uh to jump jump topics a little bit here i would consider scarface a um mob film even though it's a little more unconventional it's like a drug flick um bro scarface is totally a mob film because you have that rise to power working your way up to be the huge drug kingpin and then just going he Mm -hmm. in his mind he went out on top um Oh, yeah. And Tony Montana is such an iconic Hollywood character. Mm-hmm. Like, everybody knows, say hello to my little friend. Everybody right. knows that, you yeah, know? Yeah, it's kind of like, here's Johnny. Like, those are the big mm-hmm. two. 100%. And just, like, the whole telling of that story, the tone of it, the graphic nature of it, mm-hmm. the the violence, the drug use. Uh, also, though, the dramatic storytelling, the way that events just kind of like escalate, 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 yeah, escalate. Yeah, the slow buildup. Exactly. It's just so within this niche. Yeah, that 100% counts as a mob movie, if not mm-hmm. one of the top mob movies of all right. time. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, Al Pacino just crushing, crushing the game. Yeah, speaking um, of amazing actors. Yeah, 100%. Like, if you could cast like your dream lineup mob movie lineup top four you're putting your own gang together who you getting top well up top tippy top has got to be bob robert de niro my boy bobby (laughs) Um, bobby dollars (laughs) Uh, robert de niro is so good and then up next i'd have to put joe pesci up there he's my favorite he's one of my favorite wise guys Mm -hmm. He, he makes everything better He's a spitfire, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, under that, I would probably put... Um, I really liked watching um, Leo, Leonardo DiCaprio, in The Departed. It was a oh, little yeah. different. He wasn't like Italian-American, obviously. He was more like an Irish-American mob. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was really fun to watch. Yeah, 100%. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, Al Pacino, you have him in um, Scarface, you have him in The Godfather, He's he, and you have him in The Irishman. He's kind of, he is the mob guy for sure. It's funny with the all these actors, guy. all these actors have built their careers off of these films. Yeah, it is it is interesting. I was talking about this the other day with a friend, how Robert De Niro in his like more senior phase of his career has kind of resorted to these like comedy movies. Like he did mm-hmm. that bad grandpa comedy with Zac yeah. Efron, right? And it's right. like, man, I really wouldn't have expected that from you. <laughs> uh, but then I was thinking too, well, Joe Pesci was in uh, Home Alone, right? Yeah, and so, My Cousin Vinny. Yeah, and My Cousin Vinny, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's not like these guys lack range or depth to their acting. They can go out and do very comedic things as well. Um, yeah. Or wasn't uh, Robert De Niro also in like Meet the Fockers? Yes, yeah. But then right? both of those, all, the, both of those guys also turned around and did The Irishman, and they were kind of reunited, which was really fun to watch. And just fucking nailed it. The nailed Irishman it. is so long, but I had no problem sitting through it back to back. Like that yeah. movie was so good. <laughs> it is so good. What did you think of the de aging? I thought it was, you know, I thought it was interesting. It'll be. It'll be fun to see how that goes in the future, but that was sort of an experimental mm-hmm. thing, I feel like, at the time, because at that yeah. point, we had the Irishman, and then Rogue One sort of did some similar things, and I feel like that might have been around the same time-ish, if I'm not mistaken, which I might be. I'm going to actually look that up really quick. Um, Yeah, th- I think it was, because the Irishman was uh, 2019. 
Oh, really? Okay. The Irishman was uh, 2019. I don't know when Rogue One came out, though. I'm trying to think. 2016. So it was sort of in this similar time window. I remember yeah, when the it... de-aging thing came out for the Irishman. Rogue One was definitely in the conversation because that did yeah. it previously. Well, yeah, because Rogue One, but they Rogue One just did like really quick close up shots on uh, like a de-aged Princess Leia and mm-hmm. and General Tarkin, right? Whereas the Irishman is doing like full in like full action shots, uh, full yeah. body, like the the technology you can see a leap there, but even like moving forward to more current times, like what they did with Luke Skywalker in the Mandalorian. Oh yeah, very true. These. These this technology is getting better, and it is interesting to think. Okay, well, what could we do with some of these older actors and mob movies in particular because of their nature to like jump around and and on a storyline a bunch of times, mm-hmm. right? Like The Godfather Two, we're watching Michael as the Godfather part of the time, but then the other part of the time we're we're watching a young Vito move up as well, and right. and it's bouncing around through these different storylines, um, having this more current technology to make those kinds of things more believable is kind of exciting. It could help keep this genre alive. I hope it does. Cause I, I think I don't think we're alone in our love of these movies. And I know that there are some brilliant young filmmakers out there who want to make a story like this. So I, I oh, hope, yeah. I hope that technology will help keep this alive. Um, if not, I think, I think there's going to be some storytellers up and coming that will uh, be able to do that. I I certainly hope so, because like you said, this style of movie telling is really exciting. And I, it does feel like we are like Scorsese can only tell this story so many times, you know, we, we right. do need something to, to freshen it up. We need to see I, who Scorsese inspired. Yes, exactly. Like who who's the mentor here? Who's the next phase of the the evolution of these films? Mm-hmm. Um I don't know who's really stepped out as a contender yet. Um do you have anybody who you feel is a hopeful that could make like a smash of a mob film? I don't know. I feel like I feel like we just we get I feel like today's mob film is almost like the drug dramas we have Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul. And mm-hmm. then we have the uh, narco series, and that almost feels like a replacement for what oh, the mob sure. mob movies are, because those are sort of a thing. The mafia is a thing of the past at this point, whereas mm-hmm. drug cartels are very much a thing of the present. Um, so mm-hmm. I really don't. I don't know. I would be. I would be interested to see whoever take a crack at it. If I'm being honest, Todd Phillips. I think with oh, his I was going to say movies, Todd Phillips. I think he <gasps> and he did War Dogs too, which was a uh, sort of yes. in that same vein. I feel like I think he would. He would nail a straight up mobster movie. Oh my gosh! With like that same like cinematography of Joker, just like mm-hmm. drop us into New York City mob film. That would be sick, bro. I really yeah, that think would be sick. that's so wild. I was gonna say Todd Phillips as well, <laughs> dude. That's crazy. Yeah, I think that would be that would probably be my number one pick. Mm-hmm. What about actors? Are there actors you'd want to see? Um, you know, I you mentioned a bunch of different TV series that are kind of like lifting up this genre right now. Mm-hmm. I would argue to throw in succession to that mix as well. It's oh, not yeah. on the nose like how mobster films are, but the way that that it almost feels like these 
entities have creeped into larger business and even politics. I feel like Secession like is a show that really highlights just horrible people in power, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, for me, uh, the guy that plays Logan, the the father, the main guy, um, Brian Cox, he is fantastic. He's a little bit older, so he could play that mob boss figure really well. Okay. And oh my God, does he sell evil. The, the character of Logan is one of the most spiteful, vengeful characters I have ever seen. He wow, is, I have to check it out. I've never oh, watched it. Oh my goodness. And the story is dealing with him and his children directly dealing in this business and so a lot of it is very emotional and the way that he's just so cold-blooded even to his own family is so it's insane to watch and it's as sick as it sounds very entertaining <laughs> wow that sounds um, awesome yeah so brian cox he would be uh definitely like i i would throw him in a movie with uh Robert De Niro and Al Pacino, right. all of the heavy hitters right now. And he would hold his own. 100%. That'd be dope. Yeah, I think so too. Okay, Mike. So just to kind of wrap things up here, if you could recommend one mob movie to somebody who is just trying to break into the genre and you want to give them the cream of the crop, just what are you one? recommending? Just the, the one movie that's going to get them hooked on this. Wow. Well, I say if you have the attention span, this is going to be a sort of out of left. I mean, like, I guess I think Goodfellas is the obvious answer, but I don't want to give the obvious answer. My answer okay. was is going to be Casino. Because oh. I think if you have the attention span to sit there, it's a three hour long movie. It's long. But if you can sit there and watch and pay attention to the story, and if you have an appreciation for cinematography, color grading, mm. costume, I think if you have an appreciation for film in that way, uh, casino, you are gonna love Casino. It's very violent. It's it's very uh, <laughs> it's very uh, complicated. It's very layered, and it's it's so it's it's so good. It's one of it's one of uh, Scorsese's best, in my opinion. I would oh, definitely yeah. recommend Casino. Oh, and Casino leaves you wanting more. You know, yeah, <laughs> it leaves you far. wanting more. Oh, that's a great recommendation. Right on, man. I I agree completely. Casino. Oh, do you? I mean, I could I could go Goodfellas. There's a lot of different right. ways to go, but Casino is a fantastic option. I I have no reason to argue that. <laughs> yeah, if you if you start with Casino, then like everything else is just a big plus. That was good. That was a big old bada bing, you know. <laughs> that was a big old bada bing, and with that, we are bada done. So thank oh. <laughs> you so much for watching. We have been Couchlock, the movie podcast. If you liked, please follow us everywhere at Couchlock Pod. Thank you for keeping it locked. Bye.